Welcome to the Growing Downward podcast, brought to you by Reformation Heritage Books. We're pleased to present Nick Thompson's sermon series on humility that was the impetus for his book, Growing Downward, a work that centers on the necessity of true humility in Christian life. Thanks for listening, and be sure to get a copy of Growing Downward at heritagebooks.org, and also make sure to visit growingdownward.com where you will find information, including interviews, study guides, and more. Have your Bibles with you. I invite you to open to 2 Kings chapter 5. You'll be looking this morning at verses 1 through 14 of 2 Kings 5. Hear now God's inspired word. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you the Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, The man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored. And you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word. 
Oh, great God, we thank you so much for the scriptures. We thank you that you have given us a lamp to shine upon our path in this dark world. A lamp to show us the way for sinners like us to be cleansed, to be forgiven, to be washed clean of our sins. And Lord, we pray as we would come to this great story this morning, that you would open our eyes to the truths that you would have us to see. Lord, we pray specifically for the children here this morning, that this familiar story would be driven home to their minds and their hearts in a fresh and new way, and that you would set Jesus Christ before them, that they might receive him and know him as Savior and as King. It's in His name that we pray these things. Amen. Jonathan Edwards has oftentimes been referred to as one of or the greatest thinker that America has ever produced. He had a giant intellect, but by God's grace, he also had a giant heart. And one of the most striking things to me when I look at Edward's life and his ministry is not his study habits, uh, not his philosophical treatises, but actually his preaching to children. It was his occasional practice to preach a sermon every year or so that was specifically directed at the children in his congregation. And I I just, I love to think of that. I love to think of this man. uh, This this is the man who wrote things like the the freedom of the will. It's a, a philosophical treatise that is just short of incomprehensible to the average college graduate. Okay, this this is the man who writes things like that. And I love to think of him in his study, exerting all of his powers to communicate the great truths of the Bible to little ones. Just such a, such a beautiful picture to me. So this morning, I, I do not in any way claim to have the intellect of Edwards, but I intend to do uh, what Edwards would, would often do in his own church. The sermon this morning is uh, directed at the children here, directed at those who are are 12 years and younger. Now, that does not mean that if you're 13 or 47 or 83, that you can just zone out from this point forward. But I think that it is it is good and it is right for us to remember that the preaching of the word is not just for adults. It's for children as well. And kids, God God is speaking to you Sunday after Sunday through the preaching of His Word. He's speaking to you no less than He's speaking to your parents. And I want you to know that. I want you to treasure that. We just saw this morning in the sacrament of baptism that, that we are in need of cleansing. All of us are unclean 
And we have no ability to cleanse ourselves. We are unclean in our sin. And, and we have no ability to, to stand before the perfectly clean and holy God. Only Jesus can wash away our filth. Only He can cleanse us of our stains. That's what God was telling us in baptism. And that's what God is telling us here in this story in Second Kings chapter 5. He's wanting us to see that He has made provision for cleansing. But it's not found in us. It's found in another. There's three lessons that God is teaching Naaman here. And that God is also teaching us that we need to see this morning. And the first lesson is this. That you and I, we are unclean. We're unclean. We're told a number of things about Naaman here at the beginning of this chapter. We're told that he was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. That he was a great man with his master. And in high favor. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. We're told that he was a mighty man of valor. In other words, what what the writer of 2 Kings is wanting us to know is that Naaman was really big stuff. He was a really big deal. He had great position as the king's right-hand warrior. He had great fame because warriors in those days would have been uh, celebrities. He had great riches, as we'll see later on in the story. And he had great success. He had led Syria into victory after victory after victory. Naaman would have been on the front of newspapers. He would have been a regular guest on all the famous talk shows. He would have been one of the guys that, as you're walking through the checkout at the supermarket, uh, you see on the magazine racks, on the front covers of, of magazines. He, he was famous. He was wealthy. He had power and position. That's, that's who Naaman was. He had everything the world could offer. And at one time, he was actually quite satisfied with all of that. If, if you would have, if you would have come to Naaman and, and asked him if he was satisfied, he probably would have responded something like, yes, I've achieved everything I've sought out to and more. But one day something happened to Naaman. He noticed a little white scab beginning to form on his hand. And as the days passed, that scab grew and grew and grew until Naaman looked like a ghost. He was covered in a skin disease. He had become a leper. He had become unclean. You see that in verse 1. It says, He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, leprosy had many forms in those days, but but one thing in common with all of them is that It was a deadly disease, and it was incurable. Naaman had prayed to his god, Ramon. He had cried out to this idol for deliverance, and it hadn't come. He had probably gone to all the doctors in Syria, 
seeking a cure. He had tried special diets and special lotions. He had tried everything that he could think of. And nothing worked. Nothing healed him. But there was this little girl. A little girl in Naaman's house. She was actually a slave. A servant of Naaman's wife. And what had happened is that Syria and the Israelites, God's people, were enemies. And in uh, one of their battles with one another, Syria had gotten the upper hand. Syria had won. And in the process of doing that, they had taken a bunch of stuff from Israel. And one of the things they took was this little girl. She was taken from her family. She was taken from everything she loved, everything she knew. And she was brought into a foreign land. And she was forced to be a slave of Naaman, to serve Naaman's wife. Imagine how hard that would be. To be taken from your mom and dad, to be taken from your school, to be taken from your church, all of that. And now suddenly, you're in a foreign land, enslaved to a family that you don't even know. What's remarkable about this little girl is that she shows no sign of being bitter over this. She shows that she knows God. She knows the God of Israel. She shows uh, that, that she's trusting in the word of this God and in the gracious provision that this God has made. And so she looks at Naaman with his leprosy as, as she's serving in his home and and. She longs for him to be healed. She doesn't say, oh, ha, now Naaman's getting what he deserves because he kidnapped me. She longs to see her master made well. And so one day she's talking to Naaman's wife and she gently suggests this, verse 3, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Now, ordinarily, a Syrian would never think of going to Israel for healing. That was unthinkable. Israel and the Syrians were enemies. I'm not going to go to the Israelites to be healed. No way. But Naaman is desperate. He is desperate and he begins to consider Perhaps what this little servant girl is saying is true. He knew he was unclean. He knew that no one in Syria could help him. And so Naaman goes to the king, to the king of Syria. And the king of Syria sends Naaman to the king of Israel. Naaman had come to see his uncleanness. He had come to see that healing. If it would come, it would not come in his world. Healing could only be found in Israel. And that's exactly what we need to see here this morning. You see, all all of us are unclean like Naaman. Our, Our lives might look really good on the outside like Naaman's did. We might uh, be really popular and and have lots of friends in school. We might get good grades in our classes and, and have a bright future ahead of us. We might be respectful and, and obey 
our mom and dad and and seem to be be nice and kind. But like Naaman, we all have a great problem. We are spiritual lepers. We have a disease in our souls. And there's nothing, nothing in this world that can heal us from it. And kids, do you know what that disease is? Do you know what that, that leprosy is called? It's called sin. Sin. Sin is going our own way. Sin is living for ourselves. Sin is rejecting God and His law. And sin is like Naaman's leprosy. It consumes us without any hope of healing. We need to see our uncleanness like Naaman did. We need to see that there is nothing in this world that can free us from it but that there is one in Israel who can. Naaman saw this. But at this point in the story, Naaman's not not really seeing clearly. There's still more lessons that he needs to be taught. And so as he journeys to Israel in search of healing, in search of a cure, he owns the fact that he's unclean. God has another lesson for him. And for us, and that's this, lesson number two, you and I, we cannot buy cleansing. Naaman approached Israel with an official letter from the king of Syria. He had a letter from the king, and not only that, but we're told that he brought with him, verse 5, ten talents of silver. That's 750 pounds of silver. It's a lot of silver. 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothes. Naaman was a very rich man and he was determined to pay whatever price he had to to be healed. Hundreds of pounds of gold and silver, the finest wardrobe imaginable, and an order from the king. He was determined not to be denied. He must be cured. And so with pomp and with glory, Naaman comes. He comes before the throne of the king of Israel. And the letter is read, the letter from the king of Syria. It's read to the king of Israel. It says, verse 6, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now, how should the king have responded to this? Well, he should have responded just like the little servant girl did. Remember what the servant girl did when she saw Naaman in his hopeless condition? She pointed him to the one who alone could heal Naaman of his disease. But instead, what the king does is he looks to himself. He looks to his own abilities and his own power. And he recognizes he's utterly bankrupt. He's, he's unable to do anything. He responds in fear. He tears his clothes. He feels threatened. Here's Naaman, the, the leader of the Assyrian army. And the king of Israel thinks Syria must be up to something. This must be a trick. This must be 
a ploy to start a fight, to start a war. The king says, essentially, there's nothing I can do. Am I God? How disappointing this must have been for Naaman. Naaman had come with all this treasure. He had journeyed this long way. He had hopes that finally, finally, there would be a cure to wash him clean of his disease. He was desperate. He was willing to pay any price. He would go to whatever length to get rid of his leprosy. But the leader of Israel had no answer for him, no cure, no remedy. Just as Naaman was about to depart, a word comes to the king of Israel. And it comes from a man named Elisha. Now, Elisha was the prophet of God. And Elisha says this, verse 8. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Elisha was the one that the little servant girl was pointing to. This is the man. There's a man in Samaria, a man in Israel, and he can heal you, Naaman. And now Elisha is speaking to the king of Israel. Send Naaman here. And so Naaman left the royal palace and took the road to Elisha's house. Now, Elisha's shack, we we can be sure of this, was not nearly as impressive as the king's palace. This this didn't seem like some some great scenario that, uh, that Naaman had originally envisioned as he thought of what this healing was going to look like. He thought, man, let's do it right outside of the palace. Let's have the king there. Let's make this to be a really big deal. And now he's standing outside of a little home of a little man. And guess what? This little man of God doesn't even come to the door to greet him. He doesn't even get up off the couch to say hello to Naaman. Didn't he know who Naaman was? Didn't he understand what was going on here? Naaman, if he was living in our day, would have been likened to a professional athlete. He would have been likened to an iconic celebrity, to a prominent political leader. This was Elisha's chance. It was his chance to get in with the rich and the famous. It was his chance to take a picture with the prolific Naaman and post it on his Facebook. For all the world to see. This was a big deal. But Elisha's not interested in such nonsense. He's not interested at all. He's not impressed in the least by Naaman. And he sees that Naaman is far too impressed with himself. So he doesn't even get up. He doesn't even come to the door. Instead, he just sends his servant with a simple command. Verse 10, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Simple enough, right? But Naaman, Naaman is furious. 
He is furious. Not, not only did the prophet not even come to the door, not only did the prophet not greet him, but now the prophet is giving this as a cure? This isn't going to look good on the front of the morning newspaper. This isn't impressive. He's telling me to go down into the stinky, dirty Jordan River and wash seven times? There were plenty of streams that I could have washed in in Syria that were much cleaner. And I come all this way, the guy doesn't even say hello to me, and now he's telling me to take a dirty bath? Naaman's infuriated. And so he storms off. He storms off from Elijah's house. You see, he knew he needed cleansing. He was desperate for it, but he wanted it on his terms. He wanted to play a part in it. You see, Naaman was proud. He wanted cleansing, but he wanted to buy his cleansing. He thought his importance and his wealth would convince Elisha that he was worthy of being clean. And so often we do the same. We see our sin. We see our uncleanness. We see our need of being washed. But we, we want to play a part in that. We, we want to buy that. We want to be worthy of that cleansing. And so we start uh, trying harder. We start reading our Bibles more. We start uh, trying to obey mom and dad more. We, we start doing better in, in our schoolwork and being more diligent in our chores and all of these things, thinking if we can just do these things, then we can be worthy of salvation, worthy of cleansing. But like Naaman, we need to see that we cannot buy our cleansing. All the money in the world cannot wash away a single sin that you or I commit. All the nice things we do, they can't cleanse us of this leprosy. There's no power in us able to do that. Nothing by which you or I can make ourselves clean. And so that's the second lesson that we need to see. Not only are we unclean, but we can't buy our cleansing. Perhaps you throw up your hands at that point and say, well, then there's no hope. You see Naaman storming off in, in fury. Is this how the story ends? Well, you know it's not how the story ends. Because though God is telling us here that you and I cannot buy our cleansing. He is telling us third, our third lesson here. And that is that you and I can be cleansed. We can be made clean. Naaman could be cleansed. The question was whether or not Naaman would receive God's cleansing as a gift of divine grace. The question was whether he would humbly submit to God's way of cleansing. Would he go to wash seven times in the Jordan? He had stormed off in rage, but his servants knew better. 
Then one of his servants comes to him and, and says, verse 13, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? This servant believes God's word. He calls it a great word. Wash and be clean, Naaman. That's what God was saying through his prophet and the servant here. Notice how it's always the servants in this story that are bringing the word. Humble, poor, beggarly servants. The, ser- the servant is sitting here. Naaman, what are you doing? Did you not hear what he said? Will you not swallow your pride and strip yourself of your royal robes and get down low in that dirty stream and wash? He said, wash and be clean. It's simple. It's amazing. It's a great word. Will you not heed it? Naaman heeded it. Just as he listened to the little servant girl, he listens to his servant here. And with all of his pomp, all of his glory, he walks down to this dirty river. It was a muddy river, not a clean river, not a river that you would want to take a bath in. He walks down to this muddy river. And we read in verse 14. So he went down. He went down. That's significant. And dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Naaman, the unclean Syrian, is made clean. He's made clean. The incurable skin disease is cured. The leprosy is gone. Naaman's skin is now as smooth as a baby. This is amazing. And it's all because he humbly obeyed God's word Through Elijah, he finally recognized he couldn't buy his cleansing. He finally recognized there was nothing he could do to contribute to his salvation. He finally was willing to humble himself, to cast off his pride, to leave his gold and silver, his chariots and horses, his servants, his royal robes, to strip it all off and to get down low in the muddy Jordan River and wash at the command of God. What we need to see this morning, we need to see Naaman washing in a muddy river. Okay? You got that picture in your head? Great, awesome, leprous Naaman getting down low in a muddy river. Here's what God is telling us in this story. Naaman washed and was cleansed through a muddy river. We this morning can be washed and cleansed through a bloody river. A bloody river. What can wash away my sins? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is no other way for our sins to be removed. Only the blood, the blood of the Lamb of God, only He can make us clean. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. That's what was pictured in the baptism this morning. That's what God is here telling us in His Word. Only Jesus, through His bloody death, can save us from our sins. God in the Gospel is saying this. He's saying this to each one of us this morning. I have made provision for your uncleanness. I have made provision for you. But like Naaman, you need to cast off your pride, your arrogance. You need to forget about your works. You need to forget about those things that you think make you worthy of this cleansing. And you need to come as a poor, weak, lowly beggar. You need to come to the fount for sin and uncleanness. Come, wash, and be clean. That's God's message in the Gospel. Come to Jesus. Come to the fount. Wash. Wash and be clean. The question this morning is, will you do it? Will you do it? Or will you storm off in rage like Naaman originally did? No way. I'm not getting down that low. No way. I can do this myself. I'm doing all right. I go to church. I read my Bible. I don't need that. Will you plunge yourself beneath the fount of blood in desperation as Naaman plunged himself into the muddy Jordan River? Will you say with Naaman, I can't buy my forgiveness. I can't earn it by going to church. I can't earn it by being a better person. Only Jesus can cleanse me. Only He can. You can be made clean today. That is what God is saying in His Word. You. God. We can be made clean today. But we must forget about our horses and chariots. We must forget about our silver and gold. We must forget about all our accomplishments and all of the impressive things about us. We must push them to the side and say, I'm a leper. I'm a leper and I need God. I need God in Jesus to cleanse me. We must throw ourselves upon the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. That's what God is telling us here. And may He work in our hearts. Children, may He work in all of your hearts that that would be a living reality. That we would trust solely and completely in Him for cleansing and salvation. Let's pray. Lord, what a wonderful picture You have given us here in Naaman. 
we see ourselves in Him, Lord. So puffed up with ourselves. And in many ways, Lord, uh, we look okay on the outside. But Lord, we confess this morning before Your Word that we by nature are, are unclean. We're spiritual lepers. And there's nothing in this world that can cleanse us. There's nothing that we can do to buy our cleansing. Only you can cleanse us. Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way. That you have provided a river of blood in which sinners can be plunged. In which sinners like us can be washed. Lord, we pray this morning that You would help us by faith to plunge ourselves beneath these waters, to know this cleansing, to know this pardon, to know this forgiveness. Lord, we pray that for all the kids here this morning. Lord, it is such a privilege to be born in a Christian home, such a privilege to be brought up in the church, brought up, in the covenant community. But Lord, we know that that is not enough. We know, Lord, that we and our children are born in sin and we need to be washed. And so we pray for our kids, God, that You would work faith in them. That like Naaman, they would put off their pride and that they would come to Jesus for salvation. We ask all of this, Lord, in His most holy and precious name. Amen.